Stay hungry, stay foolish. So now on the Innovation Show, it's a great honor to welcome Dr. Wendy Suzuki, author of Healthy Brain, Happy Life, a personal program to activate your brain and do everything better. Welcome to the show, Wendy. Thank you, Aidan. Wonderful to be here. So the book is fantastic. Thank you. What, what I thought from a perspective of this show is in a world of everybody's rushing and, you know, I'm looking out the window here in New York, people yeah. are rushing everywhere, there's startups everywhere, people are busy and they often neglect their health, both mm -hmm. from a food perspective and an exercise perspective in yeah. this, I'll work till I'll drop and, you know, I'll enjoy myself when I'm rich. Mm -hmm. But the, the damage everybody does to themselves in the meantime is, is so detrimental. But also, if they actually took that time in the day to actually put it into themselves and their health, they'd actually get more out of their day in the first place. And exactly. you, you talk about a lot of this in the book. So... But before we even go there, I thought, you know, your human story throughout the book is really relevant, where it's not just taking an academic approach to it that you have, you know, reams of experience in, but you, you use yourself as the, own, as the guinea pig. And yeah. It'd be great if, you, if you'd share that with our audience, Wendy. Sure. So um, the whole premise of the book is um, kind of I, I used my my knowledge of my deep knowledge of neuroscience to basically do an experiment on myself. And um, in doing that experiment, I improved my own brain and I changed my whole life. And this all started when I was desperately trying, working as hard as I possibly could to get tenure at here at New York University, where I got tenure. And so, you know, it's a six-year process. You never know whether it's going to do well, whether it's going to go well. And, you know, basically, you're taught just, just put your head down and do nothing but work during that time and hope for the best. And that's exactly what I did. And um, while... I had a great kind of lab environment and, and it was so much fun to be in lab and there was great people around and lots of great ideas uh, um, being talked about all the time. If I think about my social life during that same time period, I get this image of a deserted ghost town with, you know, tumbleweed swirling around and, and uh, there was just nothing outside of my my work life and I ate a lot of takeout and I gained 25 pounds because I wasn't doing any exercise at all and this led me to think okay I really need to change something I didn't know how to make new friends but I did know how to lose weight and I decided to go to the gym and that was a, a really really kind of pivotal decision uh, I, I somehow stuck to it I found a class that I loved uh, and the thing that I noticed was what we all notice, my mood got better. Just going to even a single, not even very hard workout, I felt better. And I knew kind of uh, instinctively that this is exactly what I needed. And I kept going and it kept going. And the mood was great. I, I, def I lost weight. I was feeling better. But then I noticed something that was really, really striking to me as a person and as a neuroscientist. And this happened about a year, year and a half into my real change in exercise regime. And it happened um, right where I'm sitting right now, which is my desk at work. And I remember sitting there and I was writing a grant, which is something that I do all the time. And a thought went through my head. And I still remember that thought. 
the thought was, gee, grant writing is going well today. And I had never had that thought before because writing is, is always difficult. But it was, it was, I was doing, you know, I was making progress and it was really noticeable. And I thought, oh my gosh, I, this is going better. Is it just because I'm in a better mood? And no, it wasn't. I had better focus. I was able to focus longer and deeper on what I was uh, what I was doing, what I was writing, and my memory, which is the topic of my own research program, seemed to be better. And that really made me stand up and uh, take notice. And that's when I started to first just casually look into the effects of exercise on brain function, and then much more seriously with classes that I taught, and then more recently just uh, changing my whole research program to answer the question, how much, what, how long, what kind of exercise do you need to maximize your own brain function? But it all started with me and my terrible social life that made me go to the gym and, and notice all these things. And then I realized I can use my neuroscience knowledge to, to actually start to understand this deeper and better. Yeah, I, I love what you did in, in that you had you you were, were you were on this course where you were studying the brain and yeah. then you had the bravery also to go you know what I, i'm I, you know you you got your tenure and then you went actually this is really important to understand this because you know it seems and i don't know whether this is just because we're more aware of it through social media or more coverage but it seems like there's a raise in a lot of mental you know neurodegenerative diseases such as yes. alzheimers Yes. And and it just seems like there's a lot more of it. And and you question sometimes, is that because the world is more obese than it's ever been? There's more people dying from obesity or overeating than it's from malnourishment or famine. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, this life of us, no exercise going with us. But, but what you said in the book as well, it's not just the fact that you're exercising, that you're becoming obese. But, it actually has a fundamentally massive effect on your brain. It does. And we still don't understand all the different things that uh, that exercise is doing. We're starting to get a picture of it. It's all it's all positive um, so far. And and I think one of the um, directions on the horizon that I'm most excited about are all the metabolic changes that happen with even a single exercise routine that can change over time that could change kind of the way you are regularly metabolizing and how your brain is metabolizing um, things like glucose that it needs things like uh, how it's used utilizing oxygen and I think over the long term those kind of fundamental metabolic uh, um, shifts that happen with regular exercise that is if you go from sedentary which which I was at the time that I started this exercise routine to really really conscious and really regular exercising um that you know that will have a profound effect on your overall lifespan do you know one thing i find I find even myself with exercise is that it's if you do it you automatically eat better because yes. you you're, you're kind of saying to yourself well I burned, you know, 400 or 500 calories. So I'm not going to waste the, I'm not going to waste all that effort by eating all this crap to have to, uh, to to get back to zero again. So you start and then you start drinking more and as a result of drinking more water, yeah. you you stop eating as much and and it just it has this kind of domino effect, a positive domino effect throughout everything else. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And and the other really important aspect is that exercise will make you sleep better. There is a real problem with lack of sleep in our country, particularly in big cities like this, like New York. I do a survey with all of my undergraduates at NYU asking how long they sleep every night. And the number of those students that are doing, you know, four or five hours a night is is quite scary. Um, Sleep is critical for your brain. And exercise is a great way to deepen that sleep and make it longer. Um, That is just regenerating your brain every single day. Night. And you know, with those students, I mean, you, you should see, you probably see a lot of uh, problems with like Netflix, for example, or, you know, they're binge watching all these shows or, and distraction and focus can yes. be a problem. Yes. So, so what you, you give all these brilliant brain hacks throughout the book. Mm. What, what kind of brain hacks do you give to people like that? Apart, apart from purely exercising, there's a lot of other things they can do. So, you know, you don't want to overwhelm people. And so if I can get them to exercise just a little bit more, that is a win. You know, there are fundamental things to think about. One is physical activity. Second is nutrition. We've already covered that. Third is sleep. And fourth is just your cognitive stimulation. How are you stimulating your brain? Is it only with television? Now, uh, full disclosure, I have been known to binge watch a really good series on Netflix myself. <laughs> Everything in moderation. So I, I could really enjoy and a big I'm also a big movie fan. But I also love um, reading. Um, I'm an avid, you know, newspaper reader uh, uh, during the day. I love um, all the podcasts are so interesting. I love watching TED Talks. And that is nourishing your brain as well. And, and just like in food, you want to be balanced. You want to be balanced in the way that you're stimulating kind of your intellect with, uh, and of course, uh, people and interacting with people is the most wonderful way to kind of stimulate your brain, as important as reading the newspaper and, and listening to a good podcast. So um, putting those things in balance and just using your common sense are, are a great way to start do a, a first evaluation of how you're doing to uh, uh, maximize your brain function. That one's really interesting about interacting with people because the way the world is today, you can easily just stay in your pod yes. and, you know, you order in your cleaner, mm-hmm. dry cleaner and come Amazon Prime will drop all your, your right. goods to your door. Yeah. And then you can live off your computer. Your Netflix is there. Your if you're into gaming, it's there. Your podcasts are there. Yeah. But that it's that tactile piece that's missing, isn't it? And and I yeah. think, and th- and this is why I think it's so important. What the book you've written and and people doing the work you're doing is so important because this is a time bomb if we don't deal with it because right. we're letting our children form these habits now and they're yeah. actually losing that even exercise you talk yes. about but it's 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 beyond that it's the interaction with people that exercise can bring it's going yes. to the gym where there's other people it's saying hi to somebody it's shaking somebody's hand right. and all, it's the combination of all that that that's kind of missing and and you know one of the things you talk about at length is is neuroplasticity mm-hmm. and the brain creating these connections it'd be great to tell our audience a little bit about that wendy if you would Sure, sure. So the idea of neuroplasticity, I feel everybody's heard that word, but people are not exactly sure what it means. So neuroplasticity or brain plasticity just refers to the fact that that the outside environment can change your brain and it could change your brain for the better or it could change your brain for the worst. So 
um, you you sit in your in your living room and you watch TV all the time, and um, there will be uh, uh, negative brain changes in your kind of social aspect. The the humans have a very highly developed kind of social interaction skills. Big parts of the brain specialized for processing faces and facial emotional ranges. If you don't exercise that with real people, not on a screen, those brain areas will not continue to, to thrive. By contrast, if you are exercising, if you're learning a new instrument, if you are you know traveling and attempting to communicate in languages that you are not familiar with, that is changing your brain for the better because all of that that requires kind of new connections, new synapses to be formed. You want to continue to stimulate your brain to learn and grow in positive ways. And, and that's the best possible way that you can use this phenomenon of brain plasticity. That idea of stretching yourself. So you have the overload principle in sport where you go a little bit beyond what you're capable of doing right. and therefore you so, get growth. And it's the same with your brain, isn't it? That you, you, yes. you need to stretch that a little bit. I always remember my uh, mentor uh, uh, who made me become a, who inspired me to become a neuroscientist, Marion Diamond, saying to us as me as fresh as a freshman that, you know, when you have that, you know, effort, that feeling of effort when you're studying, you're trying to learn something, there is a pressure that you feel. And she said, she suggested that that pressure is actually what it feels like when your brain cells are trying to form these new synapses. And, you know, that is a uh, not completely truthful thing. It's an unclear whether you can actually feel that happening, but that is what's happening on a longer time scale. And that is what that is, again, the positive results of brain plasticity. That kind of leads me to this one, because this is something I know a lot of people have said this to me, and, and I, I have suffered from myself, is focus in the workplace. With so many distractions and email pop-ups here and chat messengers over here, and people are, are using social and checking every kind of feed throughout yeah. their day. Yeah. And, and what, kind, what kind of negative effects does that have on, on deep work? It's clear that, and this is not neuroscience, but just logical aspects of productivity, uh, especially if you're a writer. So you know, I, wrote, I wrote this book, I write a lot. I didn't realize when I first became a neuroscientist how much writing that I would be doing. But writing um, a book or a journal article requires deep and directed focus. You simply cannot get down to the deeper ideas and 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 find that clear path to tell a clear story if you are checking your email every every other minute. It is eroding our ability to get things done. And I think that this relates to the lack of long format writing in our society where especially kids are getting down to, you know, just communicating by text messages, not even full words. And that is a very different level of communication that does not require a lot of thinking. Um, tweeting is, uh, actually, it is hard to write a, a really good tweet with that small enough amount of characters, but I think we're tending to lose that art of 
writing in long format where you have a clear thesis and you uh, really take the time to go through and and address it in in a deep way. And that is uh, one of the many things that I think we lose with attention grabbing apps that are popping up all over the place as we're trying to work. That in turn has a detrimental effect on the future. But I'd love to talk about some of the brain hacks because there's some very, very simple ones, but very effective ones. Like, for example, you talk about blindfolding yourself and just listening to the sound of the world. And would you give us a couple of those, Wendy, that people might, you know, even a, a teaser? Yeah, so um, at the end of almost every chapter, to kind of highlight the the topic that I've I've talked about, and also every chapter includes both personal anecdotes and stories as well as science, I give what I call brain hacks, which are fast ways to do various things that I've talked about. One of my favorite chapters is on creativity and what we know about creativity and. Um, how can you enhance your creativity? And one of the ways you can do that is try and enhance your appreciation of the different senses that you have access to all the time. And that's where the uh, blindfold suggestion comes in. So can you, can you really start to pay attention in a new way to your auditory sense by blocking off? your visual sense? And what are all the sounds in your uh, office? Did you realize the sounds in your office were so loud, but you were uh, deaf to them because you're reading your Facebook feed (laughs) too much? But particularly outside is a wonderful place to do this where you can really appreciate all the sounds. New York is rich with sounds, not just traffic, but there are, there is uh, animal sounds and people sounds. And um, it's one of my favorite things to do. But the other thing is uh, to go for the senses and, and creativity is to explore different flavors. The easiest way to do that is to just choose a, a cuisine that you're not familiar with, with the flavors, go out and buy some new spices and give it a try or we're in New York so so it's easy to find uh, an example of basically any kind of cuisine in the whole world and give that a try and then I'm a big foodie so I love to kind of explore uh, the different ways that different cultures have have used food and spices and uh, just easy ways like that to uh, start to enhance your creativity. So neuroplasticity that comes from stretching your brain, but it's not just cognitive, it's not just exercises like crosswords, it's everything, it's tactile, trying new things essentially. Yeah, because I heard this about even like, you know, walking, going a different way to work every day and stop break the routine because the routine Mm -hmm. doesn't stretch you You, it becomes it actually just becomes habit and your body just habitualizes that so therefore you're not actually your brain not even using your brain because your brain's interested in survival so it's not going to stretch itself you have to push it right the other kinds of so i i just focused on the creativity brain hacks but some of my favorites are also just the meditation and exercise brain hacks that I put in there, which are just very, very simple ways to start to get uh, more physical activity in your life if you're not really used to it. And a really, really important um, message of the book is that you don't have to be a triathlete to get the kinds of brain plasticity benefits that I'm talking about for things like meditation or or exercise. Um, uh, in fact, I shouldn't call it exercise. It's just physical activity. You can start to see those changes with a simple walk. A simple walk, particularly one outside, can significantly improve your mood. 
just after a single, you know, 15, 20 minute, minute walk. But I like to suggest things that bring an element of play in there that still give you, gives you physical activity, like taking your friend's dog for a walk, taking your own dog for a walk, um, doing, uh, um, having a pillow fight with somebody or doing a hula hoop that uh, um, is uh, fun and it kind of taxes your coordination, especially if you haven't done it for, for a number of years. So there's uh, um, a lot of this is adding an element of fun uh, into things that will get you to do things that will enhance your brain plasticity, like exercise and meditation. That resonates a lot because you talk about stuff like Alzheimer's and that's, again, because older people perhaps stop using their brain. They stop exercising. They stop stressing and having new experiences. But if they have grandchildren, for example, that reignites a load more, you know, synapses because they're actually getting all these new experiences. And that ties in exactly with what you're talking about there. Yeah, the social interaction, for, particularly for aging people, is a big, big issue. And it's not like, you know, they did it to themselves by not interacting more. Alzheimer's is a disease. This is this is a an active disease. Sure. And, and, and the effect of that disease is you tend to become more insular. You don't feel like going out. You don't remember things. It's scary to go outside if you cannot remember where to go and you know you should know. And things that can help are social interactions. That is such a rich thing to do for your brain, for your emotional health, for your mental health. So one of the most wonderful things that you can do, I talk about altruism and the positive effects of altruism on your brain function is go out and do something for somebody else that will activate reward areas in your brain. And one of the most wonderful things that you can do is go have conversations with the older people in your life, people that don't have a chance to get out and, and uh, have these interactions. Those interactions that they get to have with you as perhaps a younger person are so valuable to them and a really wonderful way to use some of that altruistic spirit that we all have. Brilliant. I love that. The last question for Wendy is, for people with children, what, mm. what advice would you have? What you said about in the book and what you said now about new experiences, great. I have my kids here in New York for the summer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that alone, I was just talking to my wife about that, that alone is, is just giving them so much new connections yes. that will yeah. be so valuable in the future. But what, what advice would you have in a world of so much distraction and so much technology? Well, I would say to use the advantage of your kids for, for their sakes as well as your sakes. So can you plan family uh, activities that really focus on being outside and walking around? And in New York, it's great. There, you know, you can walk everywhere in New York. You don't even have to take the subway. And now it's cool these days. So it's, so it's even better. Can you use, you know, your kids as an excuse to go on a picnic and go take a walk on the High Line, uh, for example, and really try and make that part of your family uh, dynamic and family activity so it becomes your tradition? You will benefit from that and your kids will benefit from that when they feel like it's, it's a normal part of their week to have a family physical outing, even if it's, you know, cold outside to when it's sunny outside, make it part of your family dynamic. Add in as much culture as you can, wherever you are to that, but include physical activity, make it normal. 
for them. So they're not waiting to get in the car, but it just becomes part of the habit of part of the fun family outing. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Dr. Wendy Suzuki, Professor of Neuroscience and Psychology in the Center for Neuroscience at New York University. And I highly recommend the book, Healthy Brain, Happy Life. Dr. Wendy Suzuki, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. That was a lot of fun.